Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jennifer McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Last week, um, Sean mentioned that today we were going to talk about forgiveness, and so it's, that's why it's a light crowd this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke a joke. Um, but, you know, before I get started, I do just want to say that I understand that forgiveness for so many people is a really heavy, heavy topic. And it's a heavy thing to process. And there, there are very real traumatic things that have happened to someone in this room, or maybe you have walked through some really awful, awful circumstances. And so I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is here today and he wants to help you. And forgiveness is something that I believe that with his help that we can walk through and he wants it for us. And so if, if that is you today, I just want you to rest in the fact and knowledge that he's here. And that even if something today feels like, and that makes me uncomfortable that he wants to help you through it. Well, I, I was thinking about forgiveness, and most of you know that um, we have a six-year-old. He just turned six this week. And um, he's the fodder for most of our sermon examples just because he's hilarious. And, you know, he just is so much life. Um, and I was thinking about maybe he's the only kid that's like this, so, you know, maybe he is. But maybe there's other children that... It's really easy for him when, um, when he does something to someone, like his mommy or daddy, that he wants you to like get over it real quick, right? Like this morning he came to our bed at 4.30 and um, he brought his big, huge dinosaur that he got for his birthday and then he um, accidentally accidentally bit his dad with it this morning. And, um, and he just went, he's like, it's okay, daddy. It's okay. It's okay. You're okay. He just like wants you to forgive him real quick. Right. But for him, he still remembers two years ago, uh, bedtime when he was having a hard night and Sean was trying to sneak away this soda that he'd had that he wasn't really supposed to have. And he snuck it away and he was trying to dump it out and throw it away. And he saw him do it. And he, it was terrible. It was like the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to him. And he still brings it up. He'll be like, you remember that time you threw my drink away? It's funny because everyone thinks that forgiveness is a good idea until we're the ones that have to do it. C.S. Lewis even talked about this in his book that he wrote, Mere Christianity. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And so it's important, it's important for us to learn how to do that. You know, we're, if you are a believer, if you are a child of God, and if you're in this room today and you're not, I hope by the end of today that you could pray a prayer and let him into your heart. But if you are a part of his family, then forgiveness is who he is, and so it's who we are. Jesus modeled this for us in the Bible, and he commands it out of us. He models it in Luke 23. So if you have your um, Bible today, if you'd get that out, and if you have notes, this is gonna be some really hopefully practical things that you can take with you today that 
when we look at a practical thing, it could maybe make some real life revolution in our lives. But in Luke 23, 32 through 34, it says this, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And many of us maybe have looked at that scripture before and thought that Jesus was forgiving those on either side of him, the other criminals. But in all actuality, what Jesus is doing here, this forgive them, for they is this they. That Father, forgive these men who are crucifying me. And while I'm on the cross and I'm dying, an innocent victim who did nothing. These men are throwing and gambling over his clothes. He's saying, forgive them. And if Jesus was willing to forgive them, knowing what they were doing, knowing even and before he got to that moment that that would happen, he's so much more willing to forgive us. In turn, so is God, which in turn means that we are called to forgive. And not only does he model it, but he commands it. In Matthew 18, it says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. So it's interesting why he says this here is because in Jewish culture at that time, there was kind of this unwritten rule that um, after seven times of you know, forgiving someone of an offense that you could kind of just write them off at that point. And so he's asking, is it up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek answer because what he's not saying here, what Jesus is not saying is, okay, you can have your log book out. And at 77 times, okay, I know I've been married to you for 35 years, but you just hit your 75th time. So book's closed. You're out of here. No, it's, it's like there's no end to the amount of forgiveness that we're called to do. And so that's why he goes on right after this and tells this parable. And it says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, and maybe you've seen this word here as talents, and that equals out to about today 10,000 bags of talents would be about $9,278,000,000. So this man owed him 10,000 bags of gold or $9,000,000,000 was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay it back. And again, it's kind of probably a little tongue in cheek. The disciples might have even been laughing at this a little bit because they're like, oh, yeah, this servant's going to pay $9 billion back? Oops. Yeah, I'll pay back everything. That's what it says. Sorry. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. A more accurate 
description of that word is forgave and let him go. So he canceled, forgave $9 billion worth of debt. But then it goes on and it says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, or maybe you've seen this word, a hundred denarii. Again, this would equal around to $15,000. So this man had just been forgiven $9 billion, $278 million. Canceled, that debt was forgiven. And then he goes out and finds a servant and he sees him and he says, you owe me $15,000. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. I'd be outraged about that too. Like, are you kidding me? Then the master called that servant in and he said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And that is hard. And I think Jesus, again, like in that moment, he's telling this parable. And again, there probably were maybe a little giggles at the beginning because they're like, yeah, how could that guy ever do that? And then, and then maybe a little outrage of like, what? Then he went out and did that? Like, are you kidding me? But what Jesus is really trying to show us here is that our, our heavenly father forgave us a debt that we could never pay back. That no religious, religious deed or, or work that we could ever do or anything that we could try to do that was nice could ever pay back our father. And yet we go out and we hold everyone around us hostage to things that they have done that are minuscule in comparison to what God has forgave us of. And you know, we're called as his followers to forgive. But it's not enough to just cancel the debt again. That's why I pointed that out to you that it was more a forgiving of the debt because we have to be able to erase that debt and erase the anger from our heart. We know that Jesus modeled it for us and he commanded it to us and it's rooted in who he is. We see this again later on when Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 30 through 32 and he says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. And maybe you're like, I haven't ever done this, but have you ever said anything nasty about somebody behind their back? I mean, I, I have. Get rid of it along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So what happens when we hold on to unforgiveness 
And when we hold this bitterness and this malice in our heart, and maybe there's this someone that has done something, and maybe it wasn't even done to you, but you've seen someone do something, and you're just so mad, and you're so bitter about it, and you're holding it in here, and you've been holding it, and you've been holding it, and you've been holding it, and you're grieving the one who could heal it all. Not only are we cutting off our relationship with those around us, but we're cutting off the Holy Spirit. We're, we're severing that. We're putting a wall between us and the very one who could heal the unforgiveness in our heart. And so he calls us to, to live beyond that. He calls us to live a life of love that we wouldn't just release the debt, but we would go to the next level. You know, there's four types of forgiveness that we all will have to face probably at some point in our life. And I'm gonna just touch base on these because I think this helps us to see where the areas that we need to work through unforgiveness. Because I promise you every single person in this room, every single person has something either right now or you will have something soon that you need to work through to forgive. The first one is forgiving others for hurting us. You see, this is the one that most of us know. And we'll say, well, you know, yeah, that person hurt me or they said that nasty thing about me or, you know, they did this to me or they, you know, whatever, they cut me off in traffic. But most of us know that there's gonna be hurt that comes against us. And the second one is that we would forgive ourselves for making a mess of things. Listen, I'm just telling you, I think there's somebody here today that has been holding yourself hostage for a mistake you made and you have been living overwhelmed and you've been fixating on it and it's been cycling in your mind over and over and over again. In fact, to the point where maybe now you've started to place the blame on someone else. In in all reality, what you need to do is forgive yourself. You made that mistake on the job. Forgive yourself. You cheated on something. Forgive yourself. You made a mistake in your business or your finances and and you've been living, cycling, 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 cycling and you're not letting anyone in and you're pushing everyone away. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. The third one is that we need to learn to forgive life for being unfair. If you have ever been around a child, you know this is something that we have to teach them. Life isn't fair. I get that. So-and-so gets to have that really expensive thing. Sorry, buddy. Life isn't fair. You know, your older friend gets to stay up till midnight. Cool for them. Life isn't fair. You don't get to. But, but the harsh truth is that life isn't fair to us. And yeah, some people will get to go through life and, and maybe they are really healthy and You see them living just this joy-filled life and you're like, but why am I suffering? Why do I have a chronically ill disease? Why do I have, why, why did this happen to me? 
why do I see that person just going on about life and they're mean and they're hateful, but, but they don't have anything wrong with them. Why? why? It's not fair. Why did that person get born into that family and have all that money and get all that leg up and I didn't get that? Why? It's not fair. We have to learn to forgive life for being unfair. And the last thing, and I hate to even say this because it sounds blasphemous, but I think there's a lot of us that need to forgive God for not saving us the way that we think he should have. And I know, I know in my spirit that there are several of us here today that have been nursing a grudge in our heart against God. And we've been asking, why did you do this to me? And why did you allow this to happen? And why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you warn me that that was coming? Or why is my mom the one that has stage four cancer? Why, God? But again, what we don't realize is when we nurse a grudge against God and when we hold bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness in our heart towards God as we are literally cutting ourselves off from the one who can fix it all. The only one. The only one that can help us walk through forgiveness. And all of us are gonna walk through life and have wounds and have hurt, all of us. And if you've never experienced that yet, then you probably haven't opened your eyes yet. Maybe you're under the age of 10. But you're gonna have wounds. And so we have to learn how to forgive, it matters. And if we want to be co-laborers with Jesus and we want to be a part of a revolution that he wants to do in this world, in this day and age, we have to learn to forgive. We have to model it. We have to model it for our children. It's important that they see that they grow up seeing us forgive people. It's important that the people that are in our lives, our coworkers, those that are around us, see Christians, see believers walk through forgiveness. When we're the ones that are bitter and angry and talking nasty and holding, why would anyone want anything to do with that? So it's important. And if that pain, that unforgiveness that we are holding in our hearts, if we don't deal with it, if we don't walk through forgiveness, it will leak out. And most of the time, the sad thing is, it'll leak out on those closest to us. And so it'll leak out on your friends and your family. And so we have to learn to heal it. And what we don't heal will spread. And what we don't forgive will spew. And you've heard that saying that hurt people hurt people. And that's true. But I think as a believer that we could flip that script. And not all hurt people have to hurt people. Hurt people can heal people through the work of the Holy Spirit.
We've heard about generational curses and we've heard about trauma and things that have passed down generation to generation to generation. And, you know, I think a lot of that is unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness that we've allowed in and that we've held on to and we've held on and we pass it. We just pass it and we pass it. And we live in this world that's like, it's tit for tat, right? It's like, you do this to me, so I'm going to come at you harder. You wrote that about me on social media? Well, I'm going to write a big nasty post. It won't say your name in it, but everybody will know. And if we want to be a part of his kingdom, a kingdom that can break cycles, that can stop generational curses, then we will be the ones that stop it. The only thing that can stop anger and frustration and malice is forgiveness. And instead of being like, I heard this really beautiful illustration this week, that instead of being like an electrical cord, so Mike's an electrician, Mike Smith in here, there you are. And so an electric, electrical current like stuff passes through it, right? And so if like you connect another wire, does it keep passing through, right? So instead of being an electrical current where something happens to us and something happens to that current and so then we just keep passing it through because we don't do anything about it, that we would be like a water purifier, if you've seen the Brita pictures that have the things inside of them, that that thing inside of them, which is the Holy Spirit that's inside of us, that when something mean or hurtful or traumatizing happens to us and it happens and it gets poured in, that the filter, the Holy Spirit would absorb it. And what comes out of us is clean and pure and holy And that the next generation wouldn't carry the very real pain that we've dealt with, but that we would stop it, that it would stop with us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we all have emotions and we're supposed to have emotions But often those negative emotions that are attached to these events and that are attached to these moments of unforgiveness, they keep us stuck. We fixate and we cycle and we fixate and we cycle. But what Jesus is calling us to do is be aware of those things. It's not to like pretend they don't exist, but to be aware of them and then ask him to help us absorb it. And when we work through forgiveness, we give up the right to pay someone back. And man, that's hard for me. Like, I just have this justice thing, and I'm like, I want to, you deserve this. I'm like, ultimately, I deserve way worse. And God wants us to, again, take it a step further, that instead of holding on to those negative things, that we would replace it with sympathy and empathy and love. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, which is right after where Paul is talking to this to the church of Ephesus about how we grieve the Holy Spirit when we have bitterness and malice and anger in our heart, he goes on in 5, 1 through 2, and he says, follow God's example. This is literally right after this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Not in the way of bitterness, not in the way of unforgiveness, not in the way of malice, but that we would walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Even though he knew everything we would do as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
That when we forgive someone, what we can quite literally do is begin to attach positive feelings to that moment. That the negative feeling, so that doesn't mean the event goes away, but when we recall the event, that there's something positive attached to that, and that's love. And it's work that we can only do with the Holy Spirit. And so as I was doing some research this week, and this is going to end really practical, and so if you don't have your notes out yet, please get them out. But as I was doing some research on forgiveness, I came across this man named Dr. Everett Worthington, and... He is a forgiveness expert, a Christian therapist, counselor, has been working in this field for 30 plus years and studied 30 plus years on forgiveness. It's his life's work. I think what's really cool too is as I was just kind of like reading more about him as a person, um, he had already started this forgiveness work and he, a few years into it, his mother was brutally murdered in her home. And then his brother committed suicide a few years later because of the trauma from that event. And he said that, that it wasn't like this movement and this, his life's work was because of this, but it was, he literally said, thank God. Thank God that I was already studying this because this is what helped me get through life. And so he came up with this acronym and it's five letters. And so I want you to write this down. And I really think today that if you would just grab onto what the Holy Spirit wants to do, that he could really do something powerful through you and through this. And so the first one is R and that is to recall the hurt. The acronym is the word REACH. If you want to go ahead and write that down, R-E-A-C-H. The first one is to recall the hurt. And I know this one is like probably the most scary one. Because a lot of us want to, um, we've heard that phrase, forgive and forget. And I don't think that's real. I don't think it's possible to forgive and forget. Because our, our, our bodies and our neurological pathways aren't really wired to do that. Um, but we can forgive and attach love. But the first one is to recall the hurt and that you would do this objectively. And so you would either get with alone with God and you get out your journal and you'd ask him and you'd say, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now to recall this moment as objectively as possible. That I'd be able to actually look back and see what really happened in this moment. Because so many of us will go through life and, and we'll something will happen to us and then we fixate on it so much and we cycle through it that maybe 10 years down the road, you actually don't even really remember what happens, but you've created this whole scenario in your mind. So you would ask God, help me to really objectively recall this hurt. And that we would sit in it and really see what it was. And you know, this will be painful, and I get that. But compared to the pain of unforgiveness and a life of bitterness that you hold inside of you, this pain is so much worth it, so much more worth it, that you would recall it, and then you would look at that moment, and then the next thing would be that you would overlay it with empathy on top. 
the E is to empathize, that we would develop empathy. First Peter 3, 8 through 9 says this, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Oh, but you don't understand what they did to me. Well, you don't understand how they hurt me. Oh, okay, but it says repay evil with blessing. Well, you don't understand. The world has treated me so unfairly, and everything has went wrong in my life. Oh, okay, but um, repay evil with blessing. Well, but no, you, you just really don't get it. You just really don't get it. Okay, but I, I mean, this is what it says, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. This is another kind of therapy. I believe in therapy, so if you can't tell, that's why I'm pulling from it. But there's this one technique that um, there people that um, counselors, psychologists, therapists will use. It's called the empty chair technique. And this may be something really helpful for you in this empathy stage. And so the Really what it looks like is you're sitting somewhere and you put an empty chair next to you and then in your mind's eye, you put that person in that chair that hurt you and whatever the situation was. And you say whatever you need to say to them. You say whatever you need to say in that moment and then you flip it and you pretend you're them and you say back to yourself what you think they would say to you. And maybe... And I think if, you know, this, I've done this before, and I think if, if it's clinically proven and it's used many, many times, that it has some value to it. And maybe, just maybe, you'll see something. And maybe, just maybe, there'll be some empathy, some compassion that might rise up in you in that moment, and you'll realize that uh, that person is a child of God, too. And that person was made in the image of God too. And that Jesus actually went to the cross and died for that person too. And this doesn't make inexcusable behavior right. So it doesn't excuse anything. It doesn't make things better. It doesn't say, okay, okay, well then that was okay. That was fine. That was right. Everything is good. No, it doesn't do that. But it can help you maybe have a minuscule of empathy. And you're probably gonna have to do this in prayer. <laughs> you're probably gonna have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that. You're most likely not gonna be able to do that on your own. But the science shows, and this Dr. Everett Worthington, after 36 years of research, the science shows that those who are able to practice empathy-based forgiveness actually can hold on to long-lasting forgiveness. And the A, R-E-A, the A is altruistic gift. Many of us have heard this phrase, and I've said it, and, and I still kind of believe, I do believe it's true, that we forgive for ourselves. We've heard the thing where it's like when you um, live with unforgiveness, that it's like lighting yourself on fire and expecting the other person to die of smoke inhalation when you're literally 
like burning alive. And so we forgive for ourselves. And I still believe that's true. But what Dr. Everett Worthington found through his research that is if we would actually practice forgiveness as a gift, that I would give you this gift of forgiveness because you hurt me and, and I have a gift that I, other than Jesus, I'm literally the only one that can give it to you. But if I would practice the gift of forgiveness that would help get me out of this cycle that I keep living in and living in and I'm stuck in it and I keep thinking about it and I can't get out of it and it's all I think about and it's all I think about but that if I would give you a gift of forgiveness that I could take a little step out of the cycle. And maybe if you struggle with this part that you would... Um, Recall to your mind a time that someone forgave you. I mean, we all know that Jesus forgave us, and that should be enough, but sometimes it's not for people. So maybe you would remember a time that someone forgave you when you didn't deserve it. And then the C is commit publicly to forgive. So R-E-A-C, commit publicly to forgive. And I think this is a, this is a real key here. I think so many of us maybe have done the first few things and and we thought that we had forgave someone, and then we see them in, at Kroger, and, and we, I'm gonna run and hide. And we realize, oh, ugh, actually didn't forgive that person. Or maybe something really stressful happens in your life, and you're really overwhelmed, and all of a sudden you're mad at that person. And that person's nowhere around and has nothing to do with what's happening in that moment. But you're mad at them, and you're like, oh, wait, may I actually, maybe I didn't forgive them. And so this Dr. Everett Worthington has found, and he actually has people write up a certificate of forgiveness I'm telling you, I did that yesterday. I did it. I signed it. I had Sean witness it. And so he has people make a certificate and write on there, today, January 4th, 2023, I commit to forgiving so-and-so. I will forgive them even though it's hard. I'll forgive them even when it doesn't feel good. I'll forgive them, blah, 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 blah. And then sign it and date it and get somebody to witness it. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe someone in this room today needs to do that. And maybe you're like, oh, that's too much for me. Maybe you just need to like go to a trusted friend and you need to say, hey, I need you to know that I'm committing to forgive this person and I need you to hold me accountable for it. Because again, forgiveness, it's not gonna replace the hurtful memory, but it's gonna replace the negative emotions attached to that memory. It's a complex decision. It's not just a one-time event. And then the last thing is H, R-E-A-C-H, that we would hold on to forgiveness because we are gonna be tempted to go back to anger because that is our flesh. And maybe, maybe you're like, oh, wait a minute. Sometimes I still have pain about that hurt. Okay, well, that doesn't mean that you didn't forgive them. The pain of, an, of a hurt does not mean that you haven't forgave. Unforgiveness is when you're holding on to and fixating on the negative emotions constantly. So, so there may still be some pain there. And when the negative emotions do come, it's okay. It's natural to feel them. 
but we can't allow ourselves to stay in them and live in them. And so we have to hold on to forgiveness. We have to remind ourselves that we've been forgiven and I'm gonna recommit to forgiving, forgiving that person. I'm gonna recommit to forgiving life for being unfair. I'm gonna recommit to forgiving God for not doing it how I wanted him to do it. Because it matters. And it matters for each and every one of us. I just don't want us to live a life that's stuck. I don't want us to live a life that because of bitterness and pain and unforgiveness that we can't get past it. We can't do anything because we're holding it on and we're holding it on and we're holding it on. I mean, it's really clear in scripture, really clear. I wouldn't have had to give you this other stuff, but also like science backs it up. People have researched this physically. There are doctors, and when I was doing research, there's, there's actual medical doctors that study people who have held on to years of unforgiveness and how it affects them physically, their actual bodies. And so it matters, and it matters for the body of Christ. Ultimately, it matters because there is a very real heaven and hell, and there are very real people that need to know the goodness of Jesus. And there are a group of people in this room today who love Jesus, And I don't want us to be the ones that because of the bitterness and the rage and the malice that we hold in our hearts, that someone doesn't come to know him. And so it matters. It's really, really matters. And so I hope today that you'll just take something, maybe there's something practical that you could take out of this that you could go forth and forgive Forgive someone, forgive yourself. There's a lot of people in this room that need to forgive themselves. That you would forgive yourself. That you would forgive life. And that you would forgive God. Because he loves you and he cares for you. If you bow your heads, I want to pray for you. God, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you forgave us. I thank you that you knew everything that we would do and you still died on the cross for us. And it matters, and it matters for what you want to do on this earth. And it matters so that we can live a life that you have called us to. We can live a life fully and holy and committed to you. It matters. And so, God, I just ask today that you'd help each of us at whatever level we're at. And maybe it's too fresh for someone right now. But, Lord, that there'd be just maybe one step that we could take today to begin to walk in the way of love, to begin to walk in the way of forgiveness, to begin to walk in the way that you have called us. And so I pray right now for every person in this room that your hand would rest on them and whatever they have walked in here with and whoever they are, whoever they're mad at, whatever they've walked in with unforgiveness in their heart towards themselves or to you or to life, that today there would be a step made to walk in the way of love. And I pray right now for anyone in this room, 
And if that's you, if you are here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus and you've never said, come in and take all of me so that I can become you, if you just raise your hand right now, I want to pray for you that we would begin to accept his forgiveness and live a life with him. And so, Father, I just pray if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, Lord, today, right now, in this moment, they'd accept you as their Lord and Savior. And they would know that you came, and that you died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. You died, but you rose again. And you took those keys so that we could live with you forever. And so we repent of our sins, and we repent of our unforgiveness, and we repent of the anger in our hearts. We ask you to come in and we commit to follow you and to take up your cross and to, to do what you have called us to, and to live a life following you. And Lord, I just pray for everyone, God, that you would just help us. You'd help us to be a part of what you've called us to do. Heavenly Father, we're just grateful. We're grateful. Lord, I just, uh, I want to just encourage. Lord, I just speak encouragement over this room. That it's not too hard. That with your help, we can do it. So I just thank you, God. I thank you. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us. We're so thankful, Jesus. Lord, it's in your precious precious name, the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.